Today, I begin with the lyrics of a song written by Ed Ames. You may have heard it. It is entitled, Who Will Answer? I want you to listen today very keenly, very keenly, excuse me. I begin a 10-week series today. I will not preach all of them, but I'll preach a good number of them. (laughs) But I begin a series today entitled, Who is God? Who is God? Listen to these words from Who Will Answer. From the canyons of the mind, we wander on and stumble blind through the often-tangled maze of starless nights and sunless days while asking for some kind of clue or road to lead us to the truth but who will answer? Side by side, two people stand, together vowing hand in hand that love's embedded in their hearts, but soon an empty feeling starts to overwhelm their hollow lives. And when they seek the hows and whys, who will answer? On a strange and distant hill, a young man's lying very still. His arms will never hold his child. Because a bullet running wild has struck him down. And now we cry, dear God, why, why? But who will answer? High upon a lonely ledge, a figure teeters near the edge. And jeering crowds collect below to egg him on with, go, man, go. But who will ask what led him to his private day of doom? But who, who will answer? In the rooms of dark and shades, the scent of sandalwood pervades. The colored thoughts in muddled heads, reclining in the rumpled beds of unmade dreams that cannot come true. And when we ask what we should do, who, who will answer? Neath the spreading mushroom tree, the world revolves in apathy. As overhead, a row of specks roars on, drowned out by discothecs. And if a secret button's pressed, because one man has been outguessed, who will answer? Is our hope in walnut shells worn round the neck with temple bells, or deep within some cloistered walls where hooded figures pray in halls, or crumbled books on dusty shelves, or in our stars, or in ourselves, and who will answer? And this is the chorus. If the soul is darkened by a fear it cannot name, if the mind is baffled when the rules don't fit the game, who will answer? Who will answer? Who will answer? Who has the answers to life? People are asking these questions. Who holds the key to what reality truly is all about? Do you? Do you? Do those in the streets? Does the newscaster or the journalist? Maybe maybe it's the movie star with the most publicity and fame and money and the best looks. Maybe they have the key to what life is all about. 
Does the governor? Does the government? Whose standard? Whose standard? Whose standard will my life follow? And is it the right one? I pray that that will ring the rest of this week in all of your minds. Hear now the word of the Lord from Judges chapter 2, verses 11 through 15. And I do want you to have your Bible or your phone open to the passage. This is extremely important. This is, as I used to hear R.C. Sproul say, the unvarnished word of God. Hear the Lord's word in Judges chapter 2, verses 11 through 15. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. And they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. They went after other gods from among the gods of the peoples, who were around them and bowed down to them. And they, they provoked the Lord to anger. They abandoned the Lord and served the Baals and the Ashtaroth. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And he gave them over to plunderers, who plundered them. And he, God, sold them into the hand of their surrounding enemies so that they could no longer withstand their enemies. Whenever they marched out, the hand of the Lord was against them for their harm. For their harm. As the Lord had warned And as the Lord had sworn to them, and they were in terrible distress. Our Father and our God, we come today to you, to your word, and we pray, O Lord, that you would speak afresh to us in this day and in this hour. O Lord, that we would know you, that we would know you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Notice what stands out in the passage. People, evil, right, wrong, abandonment, idolatry, consequences, judgment, God. There are six things that I'm going to present to you today, six points to this particular passage that I want you to know. If you're writing them down, I'll I'll read them twice so that you get them. Number one, every human being lives according to a particular view of the world and life. Number one, every human being lives according to a particular view of the world and life. All people, all people have a system of right or wrong. No matter what they say to you, Every human being has a system of right or wrong, of right and wrong, of good and evil. Another way of saying this is everyone lives according to a story 
such that it will make sense of what their life is all about. Stanley Hauras states, the metaphors that determine our vision must form a coherent story if our lives are to have duration and unity. Such stories create the context of meaning for the concrete moral rules and principles to which we adhere. There is no principled way to separate the religious from the moral in such stories. We may discover that our account of our experience needs to be reinterpreted in light of the biblical story. Darrow Miller, in his book, Discipling Nations, says this, and I want you to hear it very well. Our story began in a garden, and it will end in a city. It is a story of glory, of corruption, of restoration, of development. There is sweat and frustration, but also progress. But as the Hebrew axiom so well says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. It is in the Proverbs. Development is more than working, even hard working. It is about thinking. It is about thinking and, what, and about what we think. The attitudes of our hearts inevitably show up sooner or later, do you know where? In our behavior, in our speech, in our writing, in our handiwork. Our social institutions and policies bear the unmistakable imprint of our thoughts. The development of people, of communities and nations, they don't just happen. They do not happen in a vacuum. The Bible, you all, is the worldview of the church of Jesus Christ. I do think it's important to say that again and again and again. I used to work at a, at a, at a children's home in the mountains of North Carolina, and every now and again the boys would forget the rules. <laughs> and I would have what I called a... Uh, 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 um, a refamiliarization of the rules. We had to do it every three months. The Bible is the worldview of the church of Jesus Christ, and our passage today demonstrates what happens when God is forgotten. Our passage demonstrates what happens when God is forgotten. Number two, the context of Judges chapter 2 is a heartbreaking report. The context of Judges chapter 2 is a heartbreaking report. Israel is in the land of promise, the land of Canaan. Moses is dead. He's been dead a long time. And now Joshua, the great leader, the great commander, who led them across the Jordan into the land that God promised to give them, Joshua has died. The people of Israel begin to act, behave, and live according to a phrase which occurs over and over in the book of Judges. You see it in verse 11 of chapter 2. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of 
the Lord. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Well, what exactly did the people of God do? Number three, God's people abandoned God. Number three, God's people abandoned God. At first, you, you, you've got to understand that Israel is God's people. In this passage, it's very important first that you know who they are. They are the original church of God. These are those God has chosen to be His own. The apple of His eye, if you will. They are to be different from the other tribes and languages and nations all around them. The people of God were to represent God by honoring Him, by loving Him, serving Him, worshiping Him, trusting Him, obeying Him. God promised to bless His people. He promised to cause His people to flourish. God commanded His people to listen to His instruction and to obey. God promised, if you'll do this, my word will protect you. My word will protect you. My word will preserve you. It will sustain and it will indeed satisfy you. And they abandoned the Lord. They abandoned the God of their fathers who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. They deserted their Savior. They ignored the one who parted the Red Sea for them. They walked away from their Lord who fed them and clothed them while they wandered around seemingly aimlessly in the wilderness for over 40 years. And interestingly enough, when you read the account of that passage, it says their shoes never wore out. The clothes didn't wear out. Forty years God took care of them. The one who defeated their enemies, they considered him unnecessary. They rejected the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They tossed aside the God who promised to care for them throughout their generations. Israel, the people of God, now in the land of promise, only because God honored his promise to Abraham, they have walked completely away from. We don't need him anymore. Number four, God's people served other gods. God's people served other gods. Look down at verses 12 and 13 there. They went after other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were around them and bowed down to them. And they provoked the Lord to anger. They abandoned the Lord and served the Baals and the Ashtaroth. And three things there I just point out to, to, to highlight them, so to speak, with the highlighter. Number one, they purposefully pursued other gods. It was intentional. Number two, they chose the gods of the peoples who were around them. They lost focus. I want to be like them. I want to have what they have. I like what they're doing. Number three, they bowed down to the other gods of the people 
around them. In college, I was involved with a ministry called Campus Outreach, of which my dear brother who's here today, he was involved with Campus Outreach too. And one of the ladies in the ministry told me of a trip that she took to Thailand. She was there for the entire summer, and she said, I watched them literally go into rooms and literally bow down to little statues. This is in the 20th century. To little statues in the room. God's people chose the Baals and the Ashtaroth, which they're also called the Ashtoreth or the Astart. Baal and Ashtaroth were male and female deities of the Canaanite religion. Baal was worshipped as a weather god or a storm god, whereas the Ashtoreth worship included sexual immorality, prostitution, fortune-telling, and other rituals. These were the idols of the nations surrounding Israel. I'm going to ask a question. I want you to answer it out loud. What is the first commandment? Now, you sounded a little ashamed to say that. What is the first commandment? Amen. You shall have no other gods before me, says the Lord. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Have you ever wondered why is that the first commandment? Have you ever wondered that? The verse in Exodus chapter 20 that comes directly before verse 3, of which that is the first commandment, you read this. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. I'll read it again. I am the Lord your God. And you do remember, I told you, when you see Lord in all caps, that is the covenant name of God. We say Yahweh, we really don't know how to say it. But it is the name of God who pledges himself, who gives himself to his people in a bond that will never break. I am the Lord your God who brought you, you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It is a statement of grace. It's a statement of rescue. It's a statement of love. It's a reminder of unstoppable power. The unstoppable power used to protect and liberate people, God's people, out of a situation that you or they were totally powerless, totally powerless to change. Number five, the root of the human problem is this. We choose other gods instead of God. Number five, the root of the human problem is this. We choose other gods instead of God. 
Every person in this sanctuary, whether you're a Christian or whether you're not, you know this to be true. Every person in here knows this to be true. It is true in your life. It is true in my life. There are other things that we crave, that we hold on to, sort of like a a little child who has a little When I was a kid, we had matchbox cars. We had Hot Wheels. And I didn't want to let anybody else play with those. Those are mine. And if my parents were to take my hand and try to give it away, I held on to that like that was the last piece of food in the world. That is an idol. Listen to the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 1, verse 18 to 25. Romans chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. And what's so interesting, you all, this is why I love the Scriptures. Judges occurred way over a thousand years before Paul ever wrote Romans. The same thing happening in Judges happens here in the Roman Empire in the life of the Apostle Paul. Why? Because people choose other gods rather than God. Romans 1, 18 to 25. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Those men and women who by their unrighteousness, they suppress or hold down the truth. For what can be known about God is plain, it's clear, it's quite evident to them. Because God has shown it to them. For God's invisible attributes, namely, his eternal power and divine nature. I'll stop there for just a moment. The Canaanites were looking up at the weather, seeing the mighty power displayed in the storm, but they didn't worship God. They worship the storm. God's invisible nature, his eternal power, his divine nature has been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that God has made. So they, people, humanity, all mankind, they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile, pointless, empty, blank in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. Fools. A fool sees a lion out in the street and runs out and tries to play with it. That's funny. They exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their heart to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged, it means to replace, the truth about God for a lie. 
and they worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. And you go on in that passage. I'm going to stop here, but you keep going, and you see what I call the ripple effect of a godless people. I know you all have seen a steel pond or a steel lake before, right? You know, as a kid, I loved to take a rock, and I still do, and skip it along the water. But out on a a crisp, cool, calm lake, you take a big stone and you throw it in the water, and what happens? A ripple happens. You see the circle form from where the, the stone went in, and it goes outward. Humanity's problem is that we have rejected God. And the ripple effect of rejecting God has moved all throughout the generations. And people are still replacing God for other gods. We live in the 21st century, and you might think, we're not doing that. Yeah, 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 yes. Oh, yes. What are your other gods? Because you have them. What are your gods, your other gods? Is it your schedule, your car, your house, what you look like, your spouse, your regrets? What are you talking about, Terrence, regrets? Yes. Is it your self-pity, your pride, your anger, your self-image, your career, your money? It could be any number of things. What do you adore most rather than God. Whatever that is, that is your idol. That's your idol. And all idols, brothers and sisters, all idols rob you of life. They rob you of the godly life. When God's people in ancient Israel and today forget about God, then we become just like the nations around us who do not know God. You no longer stand out as light in the darkness of the times. Ministry gets confused. Priorities get jumbled. Idolatry begins to reign in your life. People don't teach others about Jesus because they have stopped knowing Jesus. You'd be very surprised how many people will say to me, because I am a preacher, Oh, you need to be out evangelizing. You need to be out sharing the gospel with people. And I often wonder, Jesus, do do you know that Jesus chose 12 people? And he spent a whole lot of time with those people. Why did he do that? Because those people would go out and share the reality of Jesus with other people. Every single person in this room today If you're not sharing your faith, I mean, it could be for any number of reasons, fear, whatever. But may I say the chief reason that any of us don't share it? It's because we're not knowing God. We're not walking with God. God is not the chief priority. God does not rule and reign in our thought life, in our emotional life, in our heart life. People don't teach others about Jesus because they've stopped looking at God in his word. And brothers and sisters, this happens in every generation. 
and it is happening in hours. Number six, good news. (laughs) God made you for God. God made you for God. God made every single person here, every single person all around this church today, even the people who are having the parade on Georgia Avenue today, God made them for God. C.S. Lewis demonstrates the great hunger for God in each person by showing how we pursue lesser pleasures rather than our soul's greatest good, who is God. This is a, a, a small passage that comes out of a sermon that he preached called The Weight of Glory. And he says, and you may have heard it before, but I'm going to say it again for those who have not. If we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the Gospels, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition. When infinite joy is offered to us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. I want you to take a careful look at Judges chapter 2, verse 16. I didn't include that on purpose, but I'm going to read it to you. Judges chapter 2, verse 16. Then the Lord raised up judges who saved them, Israel, out of the hand of those who plundered them. The Lord raised up judges. He raised up godly leaders. He raised up leaders, I'll say it that way. Some of them weren't so godly. But he raised up leaders to do what? To rescue these hard-headed, rebellious, idolatrous people. God provides saviors for his people. Ultimately, of course, in Jesus, the Savior. God is merciful. God is patient with his people. God cares for his people even when they are in rebellion. Seth read that in the Scripture today in the assurance of pardon. Jesus Christ says in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. God saves people. Now, Terrence, what in the world are you preaching about this for today, for this reason? My aim, my central aim, as will be David Galetta's and Seth's when they preach, our central aim throughout this entire sermon series is to demonstrate that all people need God. Every person in here yawning today, amen, needs God. Amen. My dad used to say amen, Brother Little. And I mean the God of the Bible, who is the only true God. Who God is, and I hope you hear this every single Sunday, who God is matters to how you live. Repeat that after me. Who God is matters to how you live. The church exists to worship God, to teach others about God, and to call people to trust in Jesus Christ. But brothers and sisters, you cannot accomplish the mission if you do not know God. Say amen. Amen. Why? Who God is matters for how you live. Let's pray together.
Almighty God, all-powerful Lord, creator of the ends of the earth, fashioner of the planets, the one who gives names to each and every star in the galaxies across the universe, the one who allows the blood to continue to flow through our bodies and allow us to live this day. We thank you that you are God. And God, I want to pray right now that you will bless this 10-week series, that atonement would be a people who knows God. And Lord, that you would reverberate through us, out across every sphere of influence that you give, every person in this room. Allow the light of Jesus to shine through them without shame and without fear. For God, you rule the nations, and the nations need Jesus. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.